Hi, JV here. This interview on Beyond Reality Paranormal is divided into two parts due to its length. Our guest is Wendy Williams. In the first part, she talks about the theories and ideas of past life regression. In the second part, she shares a story with us of one of her own past lives. Again, this is part one of two. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Uh, Tonight we're going to be talking about past lives. This is a fascinating topic that we explore every once in a while. And every time we do, I learn more about not just what a past life is and why it's important, but I learn more about myself. And I start to think about memories and feelings and associations that I have. And I start to try to equate them to things that may have been part of a past life of mine. I'm not one of those people who has those memories very, very clearly. In fact, at all, I don't remember anything about a past life. But when I encounter a deja vu situation or I encounter somebody that I feel like I already know, but I've met them, meeting them for the first time in this life, I start to wonder, is this a connection to a past life? Well, our guest tonight is going to be able to answer some of those questions and provide a lot more information than I can. Wendy Rose Williams will be our guest. She is a past life adventure guide, among other things. We're going to be talking about past lives. We're going to talk about ghosts. We're going to talk about her experiences, not just uh, from working with other people, but her own personal experiences. We'll take your questions, of course, as we always do, and we'll have a great conversation about past lives tonight as we uh, continue discussing topics that not just are interesting, but also once you've had an opportunity to listen to the conversation, you leave that conversation with a curiosity that maybe you didn't have before. That's the fun of it. I guess that's going to do it. Let's go to break. We'll get our guest uh, who has also joined us in the YouTube chat, just, you know, Wendy Wendy Williams will be with us. Um, And we will uh, start this program. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So we're trying to just uh, tweak some audio issues here. Last night we had some very strange anomaly where our audio to the live streams was uh, low. It was just not loud enough. And we we had to do some uh, on-the-fly Band-Aid repairs to make it work. Now, uh, now we've made some adjustments during the day, and I'm told that it's a little loud. So just keep letting me know, of course, in the channel. I'll have a Slick Eddie monitor as well, and uh, we'll try to dial this in right. And I don't know why it all, it all changed. But that's not the point of our discussion tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about past lives in particular with our guest, Wendy Rose Williams. Wendy is a past life adventure guide. Her website is her name including her middle name, wendyrosewilliams.com. Wendy, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's really great to have you here. This was kind of a a long time coming. We had to move schedules around a little bit a couple times on you, and I appreciate you being patient with us and being here tonight. Oh, I'm happy to be here, and I I think it's just kind of fun that, you know, the ghosts and others just decide to change the volume. 
Isn't it? There's something to that, Wendy. I really think there is because I have no other explanation for it. These technologies, you know, this is all electronics. It should be very, very consistent. But yet somehow whenever we talk about UFOs, our phone lines shut down. Whenever we talk about ghosts, we have these little weird glitches show up. Um, I think there's really something to that. Well, it's actually why my first book got written, because my recording equipment failed for the first and only time during a client session and the mp3 recorder didn't work so i had to write a transcript of it for the client to have the information (laughs) wow wow and tonight we're going to talk a little bit about past life regression and these concepts and we're also going to talk about ghosts and those concepts um but tell me what started first for you were you first introduced to the idea of past life regressions or was it the paranormal ghost stuff that interested you in the beginning? Um, I, I was not on this path at all until my late 40s. And I got on, I became interested in, let's call it, woke up spiritually in a really funny way. And I met a man on Match.com who introduced me to Dr. Michael Newton's Journey of Souls. And that book just so rocked my world. It's It's like, reading about those past life regressions and life between live sessions, it's like everything I didn't know I was missing was there in front of me. And it just felt like it completed my life. And it was so true. And from reading journey of souls, I knew immediately I needed to have a past life regression session myself. And I did do that about a year later. And it just, it just started from there. Um, And it, it just turned out, Also, I started to learn what soul contracts were and that we do pre-life planning. Of course, this is all predicated on the belief in reincarnation and that our soul is eternal and that we incarnate many times. But I also found out that soulmate um, that I met through Match had the contract to wake me up spiritually. So over a couple years' time, it all started to make sense. But in the beginning, it was just like, my life was shifting so quickly. It was really hard to deal with my belief system um, shifting so rapidly again and again and again. I, I don't want to get too uh, personal in my questioning here, but you said you you met somebody online and that yes. person led you to this. Do you think that that is a, uh, was that a synchronicity? I think it was an incredible synchronicity. I think it was more than that. I, I truly think it was a soul contract because we found that he had the soul contract to, quote, wake me up spiritually. And who writes at the end of their match dating profile, I'm looking for a woman who's on a spiritual path, particularly one who's interested in, quote, an LBL. And I didn't even know what an LBL was, but I Googled it and found Michael Newton's Life Between Lives. So I Google this man I don't know and say, is the LBL you're referring to life between lives? Because I just wanted to rule out it wasn't some strange reference to sure. drugs. Or yeah, right. <laughs> you got to be sure. Yeah. Nowadays. <laughs> and he said, yes, life between lives. Do you know what it is? I'm getting ready to go for my second one. I said, I don't know what it is yet, but this book looks fascinating. I just ordered it. I'm waiting for it to come. And it took us a couple of weeks to sync up schedules to meet in person. And by then I'd read the book. So it's just like the, the flow and the timing of everything was just, was just perfect. So 
as this started to unfold for you and you were led to books and you were led to concepts and ideas, you said that you recognized at that point you needed to have a session with a past life regressionist. And what were you looking for when you went for that? I was looking for a couple of things. I was looking to understand how I could know at such a deep level that I knew this man. I mean, he and I, in that three weeks before we met, we constantly were on the phone and email playing the game of how do I know you? Where do I know you from? Because I just knew the minute I saw his photos, the minute I saw how he wrote, and he was having the same reaction to me saying, where do I know you from? So that was definitely a big piece of it. Another piece of it was I had had um, anxiety my entire life, not to the point where I needed medication, but to the point where it just wasn't fun. You know, I just couldn't be as adventurous as I wanted to be. It just was kind of a buzzkill. And I had heard that past life regression could really help with anxiety, depression, some other things like that. So that was really intriguing to me because traditional talk therapy hadn't really done anything for me. You um, call yourself a past life adventure guide, and I think that's a fun way of kind of describing what you do. But I'm curious as to what you think the adventure part is. Is the adventure the past life itself, or is the adventure learning about the past life? I believe the adventure is what we do each time that we incarnate and choose to go somewhere. Perhaps we're going to choose to be on Earth. Perhaps we're going to choose to be on another planet. Perhaps we're going to choose to be in a different life form. And I just see that there's different analogies. I like the adventure camp analogy of what our eternal soul is choosing to do in different incarnations to learn and to progress. Some people use the school analogy. I use that one a lot, too, um, that we incarnate many times to learn experiences Mm -hmm. and to uh, you know, be able to progress in that manner. Um, you know, there's just different there's different analogies. The play analogy also works well that we get together with our friends, our soul group on the other side when we're at home and we're not incarnated in a body and say, hey, I really need to learn, you know, this lesson or I really need to let go of whatever. Could you help me with that? And we like plot out this play so that's another analogy. Um, that's another way you can look at these adventures. And when we talk about adventures, I mean, past lives, given the, the types of lives that people have lived throughout history, some of them, you know, may be royalty. Some of them may be peasants doing the most uh, difficult and menial jobs and maybe uh, living in squalor. I mean, mm-hmm. it can be anything, can it? Mm-hmm. I think we look for well-rounded experience. I think archetypes come in. You're you're touching on those two. Um, you know, whether it's the ruler, whether it's the servant, whether it's um, uh, the lover, whether it's it's the teacher. You know, there's just so many archetypes. And uh, again, it's like plays. It's like being in a play. Sometimes you've got like this tiny bit part. Sometimes you don't even speak. Sometimes you're just moving all those props around or planning it, or selling the tickets, or, or you know, carrying the set in and out. And other times you've got a big, a big starring role. And I think we just take turns. 
you were introduced to a lot of these ideas through meeting someone that that helped open those doors for you. And then you obviously embraced it and you obviously became even more fascinated by it. But you also had an experience, didn't you, a near-death experience? I did. Um, I had a near-death experience in late uh, 97 or summer of 97 when I was pregnant with my youngest daughter. So that was um, obviously really high stakes because I was so happy to be pregnant. And that just was, to me, just the worst possible time to be having a near-death experience. But it was honestly very positive because I had never had a sense of, of people there to help me. And I really felt angels come in and help me when I absolutely needed it and hemorrhaged um, at home alone. Um, what happened, I was working at home, and I just kept feeling this tremendous heartburn for a week or two and kept calling the OB office. And they're like, yeah, that's kind of unusual. You're only 10 weeks pregnant. That's early in the pregnancy to be having all this heartburn. Take some more Mylanta. It's perfectly right. safe. Right. Well, guess what? Mylanta does not work when your uterus ruptures. Wow. So- you know, of course, no one knew that's what was going on. And what happened was um, there's a portion of the anatomy called the fundus, which is the top of the uterus, and it's an aorta. And that burst when I was at home alone, and I felt something. I, I, I honestly looked down thinking, oh, my God, someone stabbed me with a knife. Or what, what I, you know, it's just I could feel. It's like, is that my gallbladder? Is that my... You know, what was that? Yeah. Just ruptured. I absolutely knew something ruptured, and I passed out on the floor. And when I came to, I could sense for the first time in my life angels all around me, and they were very specific and said, you need to call for help now or you're going to go home. And my reply was, I can't possibly walk to the phone, you know, before cell phones. Right. And you don't have one in your back pocket or glued in your hand like nowadays. Right. And the answer was, we're going to help you. You just need to crawl. So I got up on my hands and knees, didn't have to go far to get to the um, landline in the bedroom on the nightstand. And I had this sense of being lifted and just got there to the phone very easily going, what just happened? That's kind of crazy. And for some reason, I didn't think to call 911 of all the times to call 911, but I'd never called it. Mm -hmm. And I instead called my husband at work because he had the car. He worked five minutes from home. It's the first time, I think it's the only time I ever reached him on the phone at work because he was always, you know, in a meeting wherever. So again, just being looked after, and yeah. I think he was home faster than nine one one could have been there. Wow. I called the OB office, and they said, "Come immediately. Do not walk when you get here. Do not park. You know, we'll meet you with a wheelchair. We'll meet you down at the at the curb." And they're thinking miscarriage, and I'm like, "I'm not bleeding. Something ruptured. It's yeah. something different." And I can see my abdomen going up. So. You know, they're they're just, like, trying to prepare for whatever, get into the OB office. Thankfully, it's attached right to the hospital, and I did end up being directly admitted um, into the hospital So um, wow. from, from the OB office. I mean, all of that experience is, 
experience is amazing and frightful in a lot of ways, or fear, uh, scary in a lot of ways, but also very sobering. But going back to the angels, when you woke up, yeah. you had you had passed out. You were on the floor, and you you mm-hmm. be, you became conscious again. Did you mm-hmm. see the angels, did, or did you feel their presence, or both? That's a great question. I'm not especially clairvoyant. I don't see especially well. I sensed them. I felt them. I heard them. Yeah. I'm very clairaudient um, and claircognizant and clairsentient. So that was how it came through to me. And do you know how many they were? And can you identify any of them? I mean, did you recognize any of them either from... No, from, from... I didn't have a sense of, like, it wasn't like, oh, that's... I didn't know who the archangels were. I yeah. couldn't have named them at that time. I just had a sense of there being multiple. It felt like there were male and female, and it felt like there were like three, four, six, you know, just like like they were all around me was my sense of it. Why do you think they helped you at that moment? Do you think that, I mean, not everybody survives something like this. They helped uh, you I, survive. Uh, do you think there was a there's a specific reason that you were helped? And, uh, um, I mean, yeah, that's a great question. I think I was incredibly fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that for our guides, I see angels as a type of spirit guides. I believe that they are going to honor our free will and we have to ask for their help. Yeah. Except for in a case of an extreme life and death emergency like that. And, you know, I think I did cry out for help. Okay. Uh, you know, I think I think I was like literally like God help me type thing when I felt when I felt that pain and felt the rupture. So I guess that was the distress call, the nine one one to yeah. the heavens. Did you consider um, Did you consider yourself a religious person at the time? And do you now? Um, no, I did not really consider myself religious. I was a I'd say a casual Christian. Mm-hmm. I believed in God. I believed in heaven. I believed in in Jesus as God's son, but it did not go a lot further than that, um, you know, for me. And I'm less religious now than ever before because I just see a much bigger picture of of uh, you know what our souls doing eternally. And I'm happy to you know work with people and learn about you know whether it's the Hindu faith or the Buddhist faith or or the Jewish traditions, I find them all interesting, and I just try and relate to people with wherever they are. And other people will say, well, I just want to talk about, you know, the universe or the light or whatever it is. I just try and meet them wherever they are. I find that interesting. As somebody who actually experienced angels firsthand, and actually maybe they saved your life, sounds like they did, uh, that you would mm-hmm. describe yourself as being less religious now. I mean, is it, is it that you're less religious or you just interpret it differently? I think I just got a, the more I learned, the broader my my belief system became, and I studied with a shaman, and right. I studied with a mystic, and I think from just having those different experiences, I just really enjoy and respect the different pieces of all those, um, you know, all those belief systems. They're all taking us back to love. Yeah. You know, they're all taking us to that same place. 
You know, one of the benefits of doing a show like this and being the host and having so many fascinating guests on the program is I hear a lot of different perspectives. And my, I, you know, I grew up Catholic and I consider myself a Christian. And like you, I'm not necessarily a, a practicing where I'm going to church all the time, but I certainly believe. But as I hear these other points of view and these other ideas, I start to believe that I will stay where my beliefs will stay where they are. However, I also think that maybe we're all just interpreting the same love, the same thing in different ways, but we're ultimately mm-hmm. all looking and, and talking about the same thing. Do you think that's true? Mm-hmm. I do. I think that's a great way to put it. We're just using different language because yeah. it's hard to language it. Right. Right. This experience with the angels and your near-death experience as a whole, how do you think that influences what you're doing now? Did it give you some additional sensitivities, maybe, that allow you to appreciate what you're doing, maybe more now than you would have? Yes. I think it started to open the door for me that I had not been open before. And because of having such a positive experience. What happened with the NDE was I was in the hospital about a week and they were trying to, I was being transfused the entire time and they just could not get enough blood on board. I was, I was bleeding out faster than they could transfuse. Oh wow! So that meant we needed to um, do surgery and I just was resistant to surgery. I mean, here I am pregnant. We don't know what we're operating yeah. on because they didn't know at the time it was the fundus and they didn't know it was the uterus. And so it was three or four days just, you know, flat in the hospital bed, cannot get up even to go to the bathroom. But my hematocrit kept dropping, dropping, dropping. So they knew I was bleeding out. So it got to the point where we said, yes, we do need to do surgery. We're going to do it with two OBGYNs. Um, the surgery had never been done before. They were consulting with multiple places in the U.S. And it just, it just, you know, wasn't a good scene. Um, they also were having trouble getting enough blood for me because there'd been a major train accident. And oh, I guess man. Um, the, the blood supply is low in the summer too because yeah. it's just not students donating. So you know, various, various things going on. But I agreed to the surgery. And the night before the surgery, um, I just, I fell asleep, you know, I was like trying to get to sleep to, you know, rest for the next day. And you're trying not to worry, but it's impossible not to. And I woke up after being asleep for a couple hours, and I just felt myself float out of my body. Mm. And I just felt so much better out of my body. And I'm like looking back at it and I immediately realized I was disassociated because I'm like, wow, she's white as a ghost. She's like whiter than those sheets. And oh my God, couldn't they have at least washed or combed her hair? She looks like a wreck, (laughs) (laughs) like kind of critiquing. And then I'm like, oh, well, why am I saying she, you know, I did notice that, but I just felt so much better. And I just floated up through the ceiling of the hospital room. And then I saw this incredibly long escalator. For me, there was no tunnel that a lot of people (laughs) describe. And I was like, oh, thank God I can get on the escalator because I'm so exhausted. And but I knew I was just like in pure soul form. I, I felt kind of like a like a white um, like a beach ball, but just like all this like energy, like little lightning bolt, like inside this beach ball, just like moving all over. And I'm just like leaning on the railing of the escalator, going up and up 
and up. And when I finally got to the top, there's just this blinding white light. And the minute I stepped off the escalator, those same angels and so many other loved ones, um, like grandparents that had passed on and people I recognized, animals, just so many people, like 20 people and animals came rushing in and they gave me this huge hug. And it wasn't just love and support. It was energy. And I could feel it. And I could feel they were infusing me with energy. And one of the angels spoke to me and said, you've got a choice to make. You can stay here. We completely love you and accept you. You know, you've done nothing wrong. You can be done. You can just be done. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds so good. <laughs> it just sounds like yeah. such an amazing, wonderful option. I can't wait to, like, reacquaint myself with everything here. I just was, like, quivering to want to go more into the light. But what the angel said was, or you can go back. And you will be okay. You will recover from the surgery. You will have your baby. And you need to decide right now, because if you take one more step up here, you won't be able to go back to that body. And I said, well, what else will happen when I go back to the body? And they said, we repeat, you're going to be fine. The baby's going to be born. But we want you to know things are going to be very hard for many years. You're going to have to get on the path. And I didn't know what that meant, and they wouldn't tell me anymore. So I told them, I want to go back. I want to have my baby. And I had an 18-month-old who I adored. So how could I yeah. not go back for of those course. children? Of course. So they gave me another hug and then just sent me back down the escalator, and I just popped back in my body. It was really easy. Went to sleep, and in the morning I had a successful surgery. Well, that's great news. When you were with the group of people that basically came to greet you, welcome you, and comfort you, you said there were relatives and people that you knew. Mm -hmm. Did they talk to you? Or was it just the hug that, that was it their was message? Just, it was the hug. It was the smiles. It was the love. There was, like, there was like a spokesperson, just the one angel spoke and just told me those, you know, just those very few things of, yeah. You know, you can't go further. You've got the choice. And if you go back, it's going to be hard. But if you can find a way to get on a path, get on the path to what you're supposed to be doing. So they were kind of implying that I was not living my, my planned life purpose and my planned life path. And that was what I got on years later once I was divorced and once my children were early teens and I met um, the gentleman on Match and found Journey of Souls. That's when it all like clicked back into place. Now so that was twelve years later. Yeah, and you you talk about this experience, and you say that you met your angels for the first time. That implies you've you've met them again, maybe many times. Do you meet these angels often? We talk every day. <laughs> every day. Wow. Meditation, dreams. Would you consider these angels to be? your guardian angels or what I we consider to be that, guardian that's, angels? That's a great way to put it. Yes, definitely guardian angels. And I just, I have, I have the good fortune because I continued, I didn't have a clue how to meditate and multiple people had told me you need to chill out. You've got to find some way to just, you know, stop the busy, busy, busy 
you know, single mom, just crazy busy, running around like a chicken all the time. You've got to find a way to just get some control of that. And I had a really hard time listening to them. But finally, um, my best friend found a meditation course and said, I'm signing us up for meditation. You just have to commit to like three Wednesday nights for 90 minutes, three, three you know, weeks in a row, and we're going to go together. And because she found it and it was affordable and it was close to home, all of a sudden I went. Um, but I just, you know, I needed someone to lead me by the hand like that. Guardian angels come up in a lot of different conversations, and they tend to, uh, for people who have never had a, had a first experience with them, a firsthand experience, and met them and talked to them, they talk about signs that maybe they now can go back and look at and say, oh, wow, now that makes sense. Did you have anything like that leading up to this experience where you can now look back and say, ah, that makes sense how I escaped that car accident or, you know, made the left turn instead of turning right where the car right. came through the intersection or whatever, anything like right. that. Do you have anything the, that you look at and think the that? The sign for me that I had had not understood was I was having precognitive dreams oh. um, for about three or four nights before uh, my uterus ruptured. And it was like a ship at sea. It was a terrible storm. And there were like like everything was like sliding off the ship and I could just see like the ropes were like tearing and the, the, um, the big metal things, the cleats, yeah. the winches, everything was like, like tearing and ripping. And I think that was my subconscious trying to tell me, but I didn't know what it was. And like I said, I'm calling the OB office and they're saying, take my Lanta. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Um, so as you, as you, went through that experience and then you you found the other path and you learned about past life regression you had your own uh, session and learned more about yourself when did you make the leap to learning how to help other people make that yes. connection yes well the first session uh first past life regression i had as the client was uh november 2011, which is kind of funny because if you write it numerically, that's 1111, mm -hmm. which is the classic light worker awake. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, did, I didn't know it at the time. And it was just so powerful that in those two hours, I released the anxiety that I'd had for 49 years. I was able to go back and she, uh, the therapist took me back to a couple scenes earlier in this present life that I hadn't realized how much were still bothering me. So we got rid of some of that from when I was 12 years old. We got rid of some stuff when I was one year old. And like, I mean, you can't remember. Most people don't remember when they're one year old. Right. And she just, she was just regressing me along gently along the timeline. And then she took me back to a previous life. And I was not only able to see that quite well, but I was actually able to see two of them. And then we had enough time that she was able to pull some threads for me and asked me questions like, well, how do you do with authority? And do you have any issues with authority? And I immediately denied it. And as we talked for another two minutes, I realized, hmm, that's very interesting. You're right. You're absolutely right. I do. And we were able to heal um, some of that because of the types of past lives that I had seen. Um, one which was, I was a wealthy woman, uh, England, say, early 1800s, and I saw a, a desperate poor man stealing food. 
and the bobby came running after him because the merchant puts up a you know hue and cry that he's being stolen from and i um helped the man get away it was just an instant split decision and it went against everything i was raised to do but i knew it just it wasn't fair that people were so full, you know so poor there was no work there was no safety net so i sent the policeman absolutely in the wrong direction um, and I heightened the stakes and told the policeman that my bag was too heavy to carry. And could he carry it home for me and walk me home? Um, hmm. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's something going on with authority there. And then the next one, uh, the next past life I found, I was in prison um, as a male during the Spanish Inquisition, chained to the wall. Ooh. So, um, and I had been teaching people to read and write, and I had also saved some burning books. So people were not pleased with me. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as you're having these regression sessions and these uh, visions, I assume, are coming to you, is that what it is? Is it? Do you see them like in a, in a dreamlike state? Um, I That's mean, a fantastic question. It's like it's realer than real. I mean, you're like really relaxed, just like before you're going to fall asleep at night. Mm -hmm. But the it's some people see it like a movie. Some people hear. Some people sense. Some people know. Some people smell. Some people taste. And it can be a combination of those things. So you're just getting these impressions, but. They're, they can be very surprising. I mean, I would not make this up. Who wants to be some poor guy chained to the prison wall during the Inquisition? Right. Um, or, or, you know, a wealthy young woman doing absolutely what would have made her parents so ashamed and angry with her. You know, these, are yeah. just, these aren't things I would, like, make up normally, but they were so real. And the therapist's uh, advice was excellent, and she said, just get home, just, you know, relax, have a cup of tea, just kind of write down what you remember, and just as you're falling asleep at night, say, hey, I'm opening, you know, I'm open to remembering more. If there's more past life energy to release or to learn from, that would be helpful to me in my life now. And I was amazed, like, I started having dreams, and I couldn't normally remember my dreams, and it's just, I kept adding to the story. I would just keep pulling up the Word document because more of it, um, you know, would come up. As you started to learn these things about your past lives, was there anything other than, you know, I, I kind of got a bit of a chuckle when you told the story about helping the man get away. You know, there's a little bit, it's mm -hmm. kind of funny. It's not necessarily appalling, but as you said, it's kind of, you know, kind of uh, not what you would expect you have uh, for you to have done, given the fact you respect authority and all of that, or or, mm -hmm. or we all respect the laws. But um, anything like really frighten you as you started to learn more about your past lives where you say, wow, I can't believe that was me or just in some kind of scary sense. Maybe you were a murder victim or, or something that just really frightens you today. Um, yes. Uh, the past life energy can just be all over the place. The, the point is it's something that you need to either release is why it's coming up so that you can get rid of fears and phobias that are bothering you now. My mom remembers me being freaked out and talking about debtor's prison um, as a preschooler. What preschooler knows about debtor's prison? That's right. just, you know, that that's kind of um, 
an old concept, and it wasn't anything my family would have ever talked about. It wouldn't have been in any, you know, cartoons were so limited. I was born in 61. You know, cartoons and TV was so limited then. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. But there were some, like, references like that that um, that I made. I had an incredible um, fear of water. My poor parents put me through swim lessons, I think, three times because I wouldn't put my face in the water. I would just absolutely freak out. I was perfectly fine with going in the water, but I was not going to put my face in the water. And we had a second home on the lake. So they really needed me to learn how to swim, to be you know safe around the lake sure. and all the boating we did. Yeah. Um, so there just were some, they all turned out to be past life related. And there also can be there can be skills and abilities and wonderful things that we can really embrace. Um, I was a blocked writer. I knew I was supposed to be writing, but I just was not getting it done. I just, I didn't know what to write. I started too many things. I didn't know which one to stick with. And I just, I didn't know where to go with it. And I was raising, you know, every objection takes too much time. Don't know how to get an agent, don't know how to get a publisher, because I didn't know about Amazon and self-publishing at the time. So I just wasn't getting it done. Um, And luckily, during a session, I had told a hypnotherapist, I think I'm supposed to be writing. Can you just ask me some questions about that during my session? And she just asked the simplest question because she knew I was really tense about it. And she just asked my higher self and my guides when I was relaxed and, you know, really speaking well as them during the session, because that's what you're doing. You're you're accessing your subconscious. I mean, it's all within us. The hypnotherapist, they're not doing a past life reading for you. They're not doing a psychic reading for you. It's you. You know, it's you being able to let your truth come out. And she just simply asked, has Wendy ever done any writing? Has she maybe been a scribe and copied scrolls? Has she ever written a diary or a journal? And she just, like, asked such gentle, easy questions that I couldn't shut up. I mean, it must have gone on for an hour and a half Mm. on my recording, on my tape of all the writing I had done. It was like pulling the bathtub plug out. Then I was able to do it and get Regression Healing 1 done by that MP3 player jamming. And I wrote the transcript for the client so that he'd know the information because I had double recorded it with my phone because my guides had asked me to. And they said, there's going to be so much energy between the two of you, just like, you know, you with the the microphone going up and down when it's UFOs and ghosts. And (laughs) it just, energy just makes it all um, kind of, kind of crazy at times. It can just really affect electronics. So I'd recorded it perfectly on my phone, but I couldn't hand off my phone. Right. So I just was typing this simple, simple transcript was my thought, his name, my name, and just, you know, quick and dirty what we had each said, because he thought the session had lasted two and a half hours, and it had been four and a half hours. Wow. So that told me, as the hypnotherapist, that he had spoken as his higher self and as his guides for two hours. That meant there was a lot of information there to help him, but I didn't know exactly which, you know, he did know or didn't know. So I'm just typing it, thinking, oh, I just got to, you know, get through this. And I took my first break, and I looked at it, and I was shocked. 
because I thought it was just going to be my name, his name, and what we'd each said from the recording on my phone. And instead, it had a title, it had my name as author, it had table of contents, it had notes to myself, like to write a forgiveness resource guide at the end of the book. It was a book. Well, I didn't know that. And if you'd asked me to sit down and start writing a book, I would have freaked out again. (laughs) (laughs) So very interesting. It was just there was some interesting kind of like channeling with my guides halting me and pushing me to get me get me over that hurdle the first time. Wendy, why do these past life memories hide themselves from us? They're they're not easy to get to. Uh, either some people get, are better at it than others, and mm-hmm. then some some people really learn how to do it, like you have. And mm-hmm. but yet they don't come to us naturally for the most part. Although I did in the beginning of the show before we brought you on talk about the fact that you know there are certain parts of things that happen in your life where when you look back on it, you could say, "Wow, I met that person and I really felt like I knew them before." Was that a past life? Was that you know one mm-hmm. of these moments where I've crossed uh, that plane? Uh, but but in general, they're not easy to get to. Why is that? I think that there's a veil of amnesia purposefully when we come into our new body and our new lifetime because it would just be too much clutter. It would just be mm. too much information for most people to be able to handle this plethora of lives. I think it would stop us from learning what we need to learn. Because if you remember and know that you've already tried this 500 times, how are you going to get excited about it or be willing to try it again if it's never worked properly before? So I think there's just a lot of reasons. And it takes the adventure out of it, too, you know, because you kind of want that um, innocence, that excitement, that enthusiasm um, to be there. So I think that's why the veil is there for a lot of people. And again, as I said, it would just be too much information. I mean, if you're looking, if you're looking at your wife and you're like, oh, my God, I remember when you were my sister. I remember when you were my grumpy great-grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now, is this going to kill the buzz of the romance or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would... That would change things a bit, I think. I don't think you could look at that person the same way twice, ever again if that happened. What um, what do you say to people who say, you know what, that's just your imagination. It's just, uh, it's, it's phantom memories. It's whatever, whatever mm-hmm. they say. I'm sure there are people that say things like that. Absolutely. What do you say to those folks? Absolutely. Um, I was... I I earned my MBA degree when I was 22 years old, so really conservative, conservative family. No one in my family is interested in any of these topics. I had no background in metaphysics, energy, any of this, so I'm, I'm the real outlier in the family, and I give them great credit because I must have just scared the bejesus out of them. And it really was hard for them because they thought, what is wrong with her? What is going on with her? Because it was such a change. So when people say that to me, that just doesn't make sense to me, or you're just really imaginative, or you don't know what you're talking about. You know, here's a scientific materialistic model. I just completely, I respect your belief system. Um, and But if there's any opening, if they have any interest in, say, but, you know, this keeps happening, or I have a sense of this, 
there's wonderful books to share. So, you know, you can just, is the person interested in some first-person accounts, like um, Police Captain Robert Snow's Portrait of a Past Life Skeptic? I mean, that book is powerful because he set out to disprove reincarnation because he thought it was a load of hooey. And he only went to the past life regression session just kind of on a dare and to shut up the police psychologist who kept taunting him to go to it. And he wrote down, I think, 42 facts from what came up during his session and then set out to disprove them. I think he ended up over years of research and hard work because before the Internet and before he was able to easily find so much information, I think he proved 39 of the 42 facts. Oh, wow. So things like that, things like Kathy Bird's uh, The Boy Who Knew Too Much um, with her son, the baseball prodigy, and how as a two-year-old, you know, the skills and the things that he knew about baseball, she knew nothing about baseball. Her husband knew nothing about baseball. You know, there just was no exposure, yet this child had this incredible knowledge and memories and skills that just did not make sense. So, and I think it was a really hard path for her because she was quite Christian. Um, Her uh, pastor or minister told her off um, and said, well, maybe your son is possessed by demons. Um, And she tried to ask for some help and some support. So I think it was a tough road. There's also um, James Leninger um, and Soul Survivor. His parents wrote the book um, about his memories as a World War II pilot. And again, he had incredible knowledge that a preschooler could not know and was citing things like, well, that's the drop tank you know, on the plane, and his mother's like, what in God's name is a drop tank? <laughs> but, you know, she's looking it up, and she's like, he's right. So just, you know, how do you how do you explain things like that? You recall, or you've been introduced to and now recall many of your past lives. How many in total do you know? <laughs> a crazy number. Um, about a hundred, wow. um, which is really, really unusual. It's not a contest. It's not about the numbers, but because of what I do for a profession, because of how I'm meant to halt people, um, I I believe I've lived on Earth about thirteen hundred times and on other planets about an equal number. That's a lot of incarnations. And evidently there's there's been about a hundred of those where I needed to release past life energy. Um or needed to bring in a skill or an ability like the writing. Um so um you know that's why it's so high. Some people only need to remember one you know there's a real big hang up around intimacy around um, you know, authority or a fear of dogs or heights or something that's just really impacting their life in a negative way. And we just need to find that one lifetime of origin. Or there can be physical things going on, um, and we can find that, you know, one lifetime of origin. Regression Healing One, the reason we did the session was um, my former boyfriend, who's the client in that book, Um, He was having a lot of physical pain and just wanted to live an active life and did not want to be taking uh, pain pain relievers, didn't want to be taking painkillers. So that's why we did the session and found two lives that directly led to um, the pain. 
And the lesson was he'd not forgiven the perpetrators who'd inflicted the pain. And once he learned that, I had asked him when we started, what's your pain right now? You know, zero to 10, zero, no pain at all, 10, worst pain of your life. And he said, it's about an eight some days. And it's like, oh, my God, this poor guy. That's a lot. But he had broken his neck and he'd been a professional athlete uh, in a full contact sport. So this was not surprising for a man in his early 60s that there was that much cumulative pain. Um, So and at the end of the session, I asked him where he was and he said, I'm at a three. I can't believe it. You know, I can move my neck. I can move my shoulders. I just feel so much more comfortable in my body. And he was able to maintain it because, of course, you know, I, I kept checking with them and making sure that um, that, 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 that had stayed um, at that, that much improved level. I want to uh, ask another quick question about uh, your past lives, uh, and then we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to change the topic a little bit. But um, you mentioned other planets. So that would indicate that uh, our souls, the souls that inhabit these bodies here on Earth, are uh, multi-planetary uh, and maybe universal. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit based on what you've learned? Sure. Um, some people have, I attract a fair number of clients, I think because I'm comfortable with it. You know, we always attract the, the right people that we're best able to serve is, is my belief. And we, we choose, I believe, for the soul our eternal soul, it's all about how can I progress. I believe the soul is just really, really driven to learn and to progress. So chooses different experiences and may choose to incarnate on other planets because that gives you very different experiences, like being on Mars, um, you know, which is known as the planet of war, and um, being on Venus, known as the planet of love. Uh, you know, being in advanced civilizations like Lemuria or Atlantis with all the crystal knowledge and just, you know, what do you want to learn and what do you want to work on? Or what's it like to be a wolf and to be, you know, just really powerful and free and that kind of a body? Because we don't just necessarily need to choose, um, you know, a life in human form. What's it like to be a bear? Um, just, you know, that's very appealing to a lot of people, a lot of souls. <laughs> and we just get to make those choices, which I think is wonderful when you consider free will. I see free will as being just an imperative. Before we go to break, uh, one of your books is about uh, the near-death uh, experiences that you were talking about. And um that one is uh, regression healing. Am I looking at this correctly? Regression, regression healing, healing one. Healing one. Yeah. Um, tell tell the us Huntsman, quick. The Lord High Mayor and the World War II Soldier, and that subtitle is the three lives that that client explored in in detail. Okay. And where is that available? Amazon, um, as well as Audible. I did make it. Um, I did record it as an audiobook. You've been listening to part one of a two part interview with Wendy Williams. 
Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.